How many are glad we have a God that is better than good? Amen. We serve a great God tonight. You might be seated. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. Tonight I want to speak to you. Uh, title of my message this evening is the effectual prayer. It's taken from James chapter 5, verse 16, and I'll get to that in a second. But I'm going to ask one thing of you tonight, and that is, it just came to me while I was sitting here, is that while the word of the Lord is coming to you, that you allow the Holy Spirit to develop a prayer in your heart. That you allow the Holy Spirit to speak, because even our prayers have to be ignited by the Holy Spirit. I believe even our prayers, so often we can rush into the presence of God wondering what we have to say because we've never asked the Holy Spirit to stir our soul and create a prayer within our heart. And that's, that's all I want to ask of you tonight is that you ask the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to, to stir a, a prayer in your heart so that when it is time to respond, you don't have to wait too long. You can begin to offer that prayer before the Lord because that's what an effectual prayer is all about. Amen. So before we go any further, I want to go ahead and ask the Lord to continue to anoint me. I've been struggling with a little bit of uh, hoarseness today. I feel fine, but I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to get me through. Amen. It's not by my might, but his. And I pray for his anointing over me and you. Heavenly Father, once again, this is an evening of prayer. It's a focus on prayer, God. And I, we don't have to set aside a specific day to pray because we should pray all the time, God. But tonight, Father, I pray that you would anoint me as I bring forth your word. God, that you would touch my body, that you would touch my mind, that you would loose my throat and my vocal cords, Father God, to bring forth your word, not just with clarity, but with power and anointing. I pray that every word that comes forth from your throne room, God, would find a place in the soil of your people's soul. God, that it would be ignited within their heart, Lord God, that you would develop a prayer in their soul today, Father God, so that they would be able to offer it to you and not carry it back home. I pray for your faithfulness, God, to be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James 5.16 says, The effectual... And fervent prayer of the righteous availeth or accomplishes much. Short verse, but filled with power. And I don't know about you, church, but when I pray, I want to accomplish something. When I pray, I want my prayers to achieve something. When I pray, I don't want my prayers to be empty and I don't want my prayers to be void. I want my prayers to be effectual. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about the power-producing prayer, the prayer that has an effect. It is the binding prayer, and it is the valid prayer, because in the Greek and the Hebrew, when, when we look at this word, that's, a, that's exactly what effectual means. It means the prayer that offers aid. It means the prayer that works. It means the mighty prayer and the moving prayer. It means the binding and valid prayer, and that's the kind of prayers we should all be praying. Amen? Not the empty prayer, not the powerless prayer, not the invalid prayer that doesn't get off the ground, but the effectual prayer that has the power to move heaven on our behalf and move hell out of our way. Amen? I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I need heaven to move on my behalf, and there's other times I need hell to get out of my way. 
I need hell to get out of my marriage, or I need hell to get out of my mind, or I need hell to get out of the... Whatever it is that's going on in my life, and in order for that to, to, to happen, church, for heaven to move on my behalf and hell to move out of my way, I need to learn what the effectual prayer is all about, because that's the prayer that has the power. In Luke 11, 1, the disciples come to Jesus and they make what I believe is one of the most vital requests of their ministry. They ask Jesus to teach them one of the most important lessons of their spiritual lives when they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and what they were meaning by that, church, was you could put it this way, Lord, teach us how to communicate with the Father. Teach us how to touch heaven, not with our hands, but with our hearts. Teach us how to access the throne room of God so that I can find help in my time of need. Teach us to pray effectually was their request. See, what you have to understand and keep in mind is that the disciples weren't interested in just any kind of prayer. They weren't interested in empty prayers. They weren't interested in powerless prayers. They weren't interested in just speaking meaningless words to their Father, which was in heaven. They wanted their prayers to work, church. And I pray that we do as well. They wanted their prayers to be effective. They wanted their prayers to be powerful. But above all, they wanted their prayers to be binding and valid, church, so that they could accomplish something You see, the reality is they had seen Jesus pray on several occasions. They had seen him pray off in a distance. They had seen him pray alone. They had seen him pray in front of crowds. They had seen him pray hundreds of prayers. They had even seen him pray right before they made this request. But but after seeing Jesus pray, they had come to the conclusion that whenever Jesus prayed, something happened. Whenever Jesus prayed, something was accomplished and something was moved. Whenever Jesus prayed, something multiplied. Something was transformed. Something was resurrected or something happened in the supernatural realm. And the disciples wanted something to happen when they prayed as well. And we should too. Every time we go to the Lord in prayer, our desire should be to move something. Every time we go to the Lord in prayer, our desire should be for something supernatural to happen, for something divine to take place in our lives. When we go to the Lord in prayer, it shouldn't be to spout out empty words. It shouldn't be to prayer repetitious words that mean absolutely nothing. I'm saying it's good for a little child to say, now I lay me down to sleep. But when we pray, we should pray with the intent that something is going to happen. Something will be moved, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell or whether it's both. When I pray, my desire is for something to happen. So the question is, what is an effectual prayer? This is what I want to actually speak to you tonight. And it might seem a little simple at first, but I, I, I promise it, it's got a little more depth than what it's going to sound like in the beginning. What does a, an effectual prayer look like? What does an effectual, uh, effectual prayer sound like? What does an effectual prayer taste like on our own lips? What is the prayer that God hears and answers? What is the prayer that gets God's attention? What is the prayer, like I said, that moves heaven in one direction and hell in another? What is the prayer that makes things happen in heaven while at the same time making something happen on earth? What is the effectual prayer? 
And even though there are several answers that I could give you to that one question, it all begins with one simple answer that may seem way too simple to you. But the effectual prayer begins in a place of prayer. The effectual prayer simply starts with the prayer that is actually prayed. The first and foremost step to an effective prayer life begins when we actually find a place to pray and pray. The the foremost step to an effective prayer life actually begins with calling out to Christ, actually crying out to God, actually humbling ourselves before the Lord, opening up our mouths and letting a prayer come forth. That's where the effective prayer starts, church. I know it sounds silly. I know it might sound a little simplistic, but I want you to understand that God can't hear a prayer that's never prayed. God can't answer a prayer that's never been spoken. God can't do a miracle that's never been brought before His throne room of grace. God can't change a situation that's never been cried out, church. And I want us to understand that if we want to have an effectual prayer life, we've got to first pray. We've got to first get on our knees and find a place before the throne room of God so that He can do something with the need that's troubling our life, church. We've got to pray. The sad reality is the house of God is filled with individuals that have yet to pray a single prayer. They've asked other people to pray. They've called on the pastor to pray and the staff to pray and friends to pray and parents to pray and grandparents to pray. But they have yet to pray their own prayer. They've yet to pray that effectual prayer that actually does something, church. And it's what I want to teach you tonight. I want to teach you about the effectual prayer. So as simplistic as it may seem, if you want something moved... If you want something transformed, if you want something changed, if you want something resurrected in your life that's been dead for a day, dead for a week, or dead for a year, you got to find a place, open up your mouth and pray, church. That's where it all begins. If you want miracles, like I said, you got to pray. If you want your marriage to be restored, you got to pray. If you want your family to be saved, you gotta pray. If you want your body to be healed, you gotta pray. If you, if you want the windows of heaven to be opened up into your life, you gotta pray. If you need your finances multiplied, you gotta pray. If you need more than three loaves and two fishes, or five loaves and two fishes, or one loaf and ten fishes, you gotta pray, church, because it's the only way God moves. We got to understand that, church. It might seem simple, but yet it's so difficult. It sounds simple as I preach it, but yet in the middle of our storm and in the middle of our sadness and in the middle of our sickness, so often the last place we go is to a place of prayer. Lord, I know it sounds a little shallow, like I said, but you'd be amazed at how many prayers are never prayed among God's people. You'd be amazed at how little God's children bring to the throne room of grace. You'd be amazed at how little His children bring to their Father, which is in heaven. You'd be amazed at how shallow our prayer lives really are compared to what they should be. Which And they should be like Christ, church. Listen, I include myself in that 
in that same number. I include myself in that same conversation when I say we'd be amazed at how shallow our prayer lives are compared to what they should be, church. How amazed at how many prayers are hiding in the recesses of our heart. We'd be amazed at how many prayers are hiding in the pews even right now. How many prayers are hiding at home that have never been offered up to the Lord? And we wonder why things aren't moving, church. Prayers that the Holy Spirit wants to ignite. Prayers that the Father wants to respond to. Prayers that have the power to move heaven, like I said, and hell out of our way. They just aren't being prayed. But let me tell you, like I already said, if you want hell to move, you got to pray. If you want hell out of your house, you got to pray. If you want hell out of your son or hell out of your daughter or hell out of their bedroom or hell out of their friendships, you've got to pray, church. But the truth is the house of God is filled with prayers, like I said, that have never been prayed. Prayers that have yet to reach into the throne room of God. Prayers that have yet to reach into the the ears of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prayers of repentance that haven't been prayed. Prayers of humility that haven't been prayed. Prayers of reconciliation that have never been prayed. Prayers of faith that God is just waiting for His saints to lift up so that He can move on their behalf. Prayers of protection. Binding prayers. Powerful prayers. Healing prayers. Hopeful prayers, church. Prayers of prophecy. Prayers of intercession. Prayers in tongues, church. All kinds of prayers are not being prayed in the house of God. And some of those prayers, like I said, might even be hiding in this house tonight. God wants us to know this evening that if we want to be an individual that has an effectual prayer life, we cannot allow our prayers to hide in the recesses of our heart. We cannot allow our prayers to sit idle in a church pew. We cannot allow our prayers to to just be be left for someone else to pray, church. If we want heaven to move, we must pray. Amen. Understand, a prayer unprayed is the most ineffective prayer there is. A word unspoken can't move anything, let alone a mountain, let alone a giant, let alone a disease let alone a Red Sea, let alone a wall of Jericho. You understand what I'm saying, church? A prayer unprayed can't move anything. And we have to understand that if we want to be an individual that, that prays, church, effectual prayers. James says in chapter 2, you have not because you ask not. He says your needs aren't being met simply because they've never been brought before the Lord. Your life is lacking, James says, because you haven't asked in prayer. Like I said, in the beginning it sounds simple, but yet for us it becomes so complicated. The truth is, we have not because we pray not. We have not because we bow not. We have not because we confess not before the Lord. We have not, church, because we pray not. And so the reality is, if you want something from God, as simple as it seems, you got to pray to God. 
You can't grumble to God. You can't whine to God. You can't complain to God. You can't go to God. you got to pray to God if you want something from God. The reality is we fret, we fear, we worry, we pout, we doubt, we grumble, we complain, but we have not because we pray not for our needs. We need to understand that complaining to, about our needs to God doesn't make God move. I want you to understand that complaining about your giant and grumbling about your giant and whining about your giant and cursing at your giant won't make your giant move. It will not cause the walls to come down. If you want something to move, you better put on your prayer belt. You better bend down a knee. You better open up communication with the Father that's in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that slayed God. Goliath, the one that brought down walls, the one that parted Red Seas, and begin to communicate with that God. Amen. That's what an effectual prayer is, church. As simple as it may seem, the effectual prayer always begins with a prayer that's actually prayed. Why do you think the devil will do all that he can to keep you from praying. Why do you think the phone will ring while you try to go hide yourself away? Why do you think you'll get a knock on the door from a neighbor you haven't seen in a year while you're deciding to get close to God? Why do you think your day and your mind and your schedule become so occupied with meaningless things when you decide it's time to pray? Because the devil himself knows the only way he has to move is when we pray. And when we pray according to God's will and when we pray according to God's word. You know what happens when you whine about your giant? He gets bigger. You want to know what happens to the wall that you fuss at and curse at? It gets bigger and it gets stronger. The only way you'll weaken a wall is when you bend your knees before the king of kings and begin to offer up a prayer. Oh, it sounds simple. But oh, how it's so difficult. Because prayer is probably one of the most difficult disciplines that we can establish in our lives. But it's the most powerful tool that we can use in advancing the kingdom of God in our own life. It's the most powerful tool we can use to to have the kingdom come into our lives. You see, the reality is the kingdom's up there for so many saints because they don't know how to pray. The kingdom stays up there because they don't know how to bring it down in prayer. Healing stays up there, and power stays up there, and revelation stays up there, and, and hope stays up there, and all the things we have need of stay up there because we don't know how to pray them down to here. And the only way that's going to happen is if you first start by praying, church. It's that simple. It's the first step to spiritual maturity. It's prayer, church. It's reading the Word of God and prayer both together, but, but praying, church. Listen, the reality is Peter could still be at the bottom of the sea if he hadn't prayed. 
where he at least could have been struggling for a lot longer than he did if he hadn't prayed, church. And what I want you to understand is that when you face a struggle, when you face a storm in your life, when you face a difficulty in your life, you're going to stay there quite a lot longer than if you would just call out to God in prayer. And I'm going to teach you that as I go. You know the story. One minute Peter was walking on water. One minute Peter was in the middle of a miracle, and the next minute he was in the middle of a mess. One minute Peter was walking on the water, and the next minute he was sinking in it. And how often life is just like that with us, church. One minute we're on the mountaintop, shouting hallelujah. And the next second we're sinking in the sea, mumbling, grumbling, and complaining. One minute we're fit as a fiddle, and the next we find ourselves lying in a hospital bed. One minute we're walking through a sunshiny day, and the next minute the sky grows gray. Because that's the way life is, church. That's the way life is, and it's why we must learn how to pray. It's why we must learn how to pray to get us through the, the dark days, to get us through the hospital visit. To get us through the bad report. To get us past the lion's den. To get us past the fiery furnace. To get us out of our, our prison cell, church. It's why we must learn how to pray and pray the effectual prayer. One moment, Peter was, he was the man, you might say. I'm a man. I'm walking on water. But the next minute, church, he was sinking in the sea. And it's just like us. One minute, we're on top of the world, and the next, we're being rolled over by it. And it's why we need to pray, church. But what did Peter do in the middle of his need? He prayed. It might have been a short prayer, but he prayed. He prayed, church. He prayed. Listen, in the center of his circumstances, in the middle of the night, the Bible says... In the eye of the storm, Peter prayed, church, and we must learn to do the same. He didn't grumble. He didn't blame Jesus for bidding him to come. He didn't say, Jesus, it's all your fault. You asked me to come out on this water. You asked me to come out on the waves. You asked me to step out in faith. It's your fault, Jesus. It's your fault, God, that I'm right in the middle of this mess. He didn't blame God. He didn't accuse God. He didn't question God's call in his life. He did it. And when he found himself in, in the midst of, of difficulty doing what Jesus bid him to do, he prayed, church. He prayed. He prayed. We need to do the same thing. We need to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Please understand. The first thing we should do in our stormy sea is the last thing we usually do. The first thing we should do in the middle of our storm when we find ourselves sinking is going to God in prayer. But so often, God is the last one we cry out to. Well, I cry to my neighbors. called a prayer tower. I set an appointment with the pastor. Yes. I, I, I wanted to go get some counseling. I, I, I called on the staff. I picked up the phone. Yes. But the question is, did you bend a knee and pray? Yes. Did you call out to God, church? 
Listen, I know Peter's prayer is the shortest prayer recorded in the Bible. But sometimes you don't have time for a long, lengthy prayer. Sometimes while you're sinking, you can only muster up three little words like Peter did. But Peter prayed them all the same, church. And he prayed them with an urgency. And he prayed them with desperation. He prayed, Lord, save me. Amen. Save me. This is what we have to understand, church. Please listen to this. Peter didn't turn to his spiritual brothers in the boat. He didn't ask Andrew to toss him a life rope. He didn't depend on the disciples to save him from his storm. He didn't make an appointment with the pastor. He didn't call on the prayer tower. Nothing wrong with any of those things, church. He didn't cry out to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and say, I'm sinking here, my friends. He cried out to Jesus with a voice of desperation. And he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And God moved, church. He moved. The Bible says immediately God lifted him up out of the water, church. Because the effectual prayer first is the one that is prayed. Peter would have been struggling, kicking, doggy paddling for quite a long time, I believe, if he didn't ask Jesus to save him in prayer. Well, listen, church, the sad reality is so many Christians, I believe, are flopping around in the sea of their situations, the sea of their sorrows, church. They're filled with fear. They're filled with anxiousness. They're filled with pout and doubt and gloom and doom and grumbling and complaining, church, simply because they have yet to cry out to Christ. They keep calling out to a boat, please get this, that is stuck in its own storm. Instead of crying out to God. I've been just as guilty, church. I had to preach this to myself before I preached it to you. Listen, there's been times in my own life where I've called out to all the wrong places in the middle of my storm. Maybe dependent on my own abilities and my own strengths. Maybe, maybe there's been plenty of times that I have turned back to the boat that I'm used to, comfortable with. No, it was Peter's boat. He knew it better than all the rest of them. But he didn't turn there. He turned to Jesus Christ. And the truth is, listen, we've all been there at one time. The reality is, when you cry out to me, I might be stuck in my own storm. I might be rowing against my own waves. When you cry out to the staff, church, they might be struggling in their own sea. When you cry out to man... They may be sinking in their own situation and sinking in their own sorrow. That's why we must learn to cry out to the one that's still walking on the water. You understand what I'm saying, church? We've got to cry out to the one that's still standing on the sea if we want to be raised up out of the sea. We've got to learn to cry out to the one that's still got the power to walk above the waves if we want to walk above the waves. You see, you might call me up and I got a bad day. 
You might call me up and I might not be in the mood. I hate to say that, but I'm made of flesh just like you are. You need to understand that there comes times in your life where you can't depend on the boat of man. you got to reach out to the strong right arm of God because He's the only one that has the power to reach down into the winds and the waves and pull you up. Amen. 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 Listen. I say all of that about Peter in that situation. Because if you want to keep your marriages from sinking, you better pray about them. If you want to keep your family from sinking, you better pray over your family. If you want to keep your business from going under in the middle of a messed up economy... You better find a place of prayer and pray over your business. If you want to keep your job from sinking and going underwater, you better find a place of prayer and ask God to keep you afloat. If you want to keep your spirit from slipping into sin, slipping into sorrow, slipping into depression, slipping into a, into a funk, you better learn to pray into your soul. You better learn to speak into your soul. You better begin to ask God to, to come down and have a visitation with your soul. I'm telling you, church, if we don't pray, we will sink. If we don't pray, we will go under. If we don't pray, church, you better start looking for a pair of water weenies or you're going to go under, church. Listen, a friend can only keep you afloat for so long. The pastor and I can only hold you up for so long. Uh, The air is going to go out of my wings, church, before I can pull you all the way out. There's only one person that can pull you all the way out, and that is Jesus Christ, church. It is, church. The King of glory. It is the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the one that will rescue us from our storm. He's the one that will pull you out and let you walk on water. And it will only happen if we are willing to pray, church. I believe that that is... We'll wait and see if that is an actual emergency. Otherwise, I'm going to just keep on preaching. Amen. Here's what I want us to understand, church. If we do not pray like I said, we will sink in our sorrows. We will sink in our storm and we will sink in our situation right now sitting in this house. Some of you know I've got a sinking situation going on. Some of you in this house right now say, I've got a sinking marriage going on. I've got a sinking son in my life. I've got a sinking daughter in my life. I've got sinking health going on in my life. I've got, I've got sinking finances. They're getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Some of you are here tonight and you say, I've got sinking faith. I've got sinking hope. Uh, there, there's something in your life that is sinking, and whatever that item is, I want you to know the only way it will be brought out is through this thing called prayer. It's the only way it will be brought out. The only way it will be moved. The only way it will be resurrected, church. 
It's through this thing called prayer. The Holy Spirit is asking this this evening. What is the prayer you've never prayed? What is the prayer you've never prayed? What is the prayer that has never thundered from the bottom of your soul? What is the prayer or the cry that has never echoed through the darkness of your situation, church? What is the prayer that is still hiding in the recesses of our heart? What is the prayer that's hiding among His people tonight? What is the prayer that has never been prayed by you? I don't know what it is, but you do. I don't know what it is, but it's why I asked you in the beginning of this service to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate a prayer in your life so you would know what that prayer is that you've never prayed. You see, any prayer that's prayed is the prayer that's never been prayed. Every time you go to the Lord in prayer, it's a prayer you've never prayed, church. But I, I want to go deeper than that. I want to go to this place where deep down inside of the soil of your soul, God has been trying to cultivate a prayer that will reach into the throne room of grace so that He can move. And I want you to understand, sometimes He'll squeeze you in order to get that prayer out. Sometimes He'll put you in a lion's den to get that prayer to come out. Sometimes He'll put you in the fire and He'll put you in the flame in order for that prayer to come out. Sometimes He'll leave you all alone on the backside of the wilderness just so that prayer will come up out of your soul. Sometimes, church, He'll turn out all the lights so that you will pray that prayer. I want you to understand, church, that there is a prayer inside of every one of your hearts that has never been prayed. There is a miracle inside of every one of those prayers that has never been accomplished. I want you to understand the prayer never prayed is the miracle that never takes place. The prayer that's never prayed is the miracle that will never take place in your life. I want you to understand that the circle that is never made is the circumstance that will never change in your life. If you've got a miracle that needs to take place, there's a prayer you have to pray. If there's healing that has to be had, there's a prayer that's, that, that you have to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask tonight. I know we've got a little bit of time, but I want to go back into a place of worship. And I want them to do that whole set that they did in the beginning. And I want us, as we sing, to let that prayer make its way from the bottom of our heart to the tip of our tongue and let us utter it before the Lord. I want you to bask in the presence of God. I want you to worship the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. And as that prayer, church, listen, I'm not going to pray for you. As that prayer begins to develop in your heart, I want you to bring it up here. And I want you to stand on the blood of Jesus Christ that has made all the things of the kingdom available to me. And I want you to begin to utter that prayer. I don't care if you sit out there, but I want this to, to be this place where Christ is standing, where we begin to cry out to God. You see, please, let me say this. The power of your prayer isn't based on your performance this week. It's based on the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to understand that your performance has no impact over your prayer. You can pray a prayer this week. You can pray a prayer tonight, no matter how difficult your week was. Now listen, your, your prayer might have to start with, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Your prayer might have to begin with, Father, I'm humbling myself before you so that you can lift me up. That's where the prayer might have to begin. But I want you all to stand, and we're going to worship. We're going to take 15 minutes, because that's what time I normally let out. We're going to take about 15 minutes and begin to play. Uh, We're not working. Hmm? Well, here's what we're going to do. I know that. See what? The devil wants to interrupt. Amen? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Listen. When Jesus prayed, he didn't have a backup band. When Jesus prayed, he didn't have a musician and he didn't have a drummer. You know what he had? He had a father which was in heaven. He had a God that, whose arm was not too short to reach down and meet him in his time of need. So I'm going to ask you right now, whatever that prayer is, I want you to lift up hands and I want you to just begin to pray. And if this starts working, it'll start working. But lift up your hands and begin to pray, church. Hallelujah.
church, we don't worship Him because of who we are. We don't limit our worship because we had a bad week. And we can't give Him more worship because we had a great week. It's because of who He is that we worship Him. It's because of who He is that we even have a song. That we even want to come into His presence. It's because of who He is, church, that we should offer up this prayer.
on, church. Can we just magnify the Lord tonight? Listen, church, this isn't the culmination of this week of prayer. This should be, every day we come should be the beginning. You see, I look at this as the beginning of our encounter with God. Every night that we came during the week was the beginning of our encounter with God. The beginning of a new prayer life, the beginning of a miracle, the the beginning of a transformation, the beginning of a change, the beginning of an impossibility turning into a possibility. Amen? And it's all because of who He is. Amen? How many of you are glad we have a God that hears us? Amen? And not only do we have a God that hears us, we have a God that gives us what we ask. I pray that all of you, listen, if you didn't have the opportunity to let that prayer come out here, I promise you, and I'm speaking this over you right now, that the Holy Spirit will move on you in such a powerful way that I don't care where you are, woo, something just starts bubbling up in the bottom of your soul. Listen, for some of you, it might be tongues for the very first time. For some of you, I don't know what the prayer is going to be. I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit begin to well up inside of you like rivers of living water and ain't nothing going to keep it back. You might be on your way to work tomorrow when all of a sudden, woo! Shikita Masakaya Basakia. It might be the Holy Ghost falling down on you. It might be in your workroom. It might be lying on your bed in the middle of the night. But something's going to move inside of your soul. And you're going to pray a prayer you've never prayed. And your situation will turn around. Your darkness will turn around. And resurrection will take place in your life. How many of you believe that? Amen. Agree with me then as I pray. God got me through, but my voice is about to give out. But I got one more prayer left. And we're going to agree together that this is the beginning and not the end of the incredible things God wants to do for us. Amen. God wants to do a new thing with you. I know you've heard that, but I think God wants to do something you've never seen about or never heard about. It's not some old thing that's been done a long time ago and we forgot about it. We're just going to resurrect it. He's going to do a new thing in your life that has never been done before. And we just got to be ready for it. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you are our God. And we are your people. I thank you, Father God, that you call us friends. You call us sons. And you call us daughters. And Father, your word tells us that if an evil father, an earthly father, a carnal father, can give good things to their children, how much more will you give us the very things that we ask? Especially the things we have need of. So once again, God, there's a bunch of needs represented in this house. God, in this box before me, There are pieces of paper that represent impossibilities. On these pieces of paper, God, there's a giant, there's a mountain, there's a wall, there's a lost loved one, there's a Red Sea, 
There's a thing called cancer. There's an incurable disease. There's a dark day, a sad night, and a sad song. But I thank you, Father God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lord of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. I thank you, God, that because of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the blood that He shed on Calvary, we can now come boldly before the throne room of grace and ask for help in our time of need. God, every piece of paper that's in this chest represents a need. And God, your people have obeyed you, and they have come. They've trusted you, obeyed you. They've boldly come, Father God, into your throne room, and they're asking for help. God, I can't help them. Their neighbor can't help them. But you can help them. You're the Almighty God, the Omnipotent God, the All-Knowing God. There's nothing about us, God, that you don't know. Nothing going on in our lives that you can't see. There's no mountain too big that exhausts your power. There's no need too little that you overlook it. There's no need too small, God, that you won't pay attention to it. There's no need too little that you won't take the time, God, to mend it. I thank you, God, that there's no need too small, no mountain too big that will keep you, Father God, from answering them all. Thank you that you're alive and well. That you never sleep and you never slumber. God, in the middle of the night when there's tears running from our eyes and drowning out our pillow, God, you're awake and you can move. When we're driving down the road, Father God, on our way to work and our heart is burdened and heavy. God, you're not off somewhere where you can't see us. You can intervene even there. In the middle of a lion's den, in the middle of a flood, in the middle of a fiery furnace, in the middle of our deepest despair, in the middle of our storm like Peter was in, I pray, Father God, that every single time we would offer up a prayer, that we would open up our mouths and become effectual prayers, that if all we can say is, Lord, save me, that's what we say. So God, continue to do your work. Take us home under your wings. Hide us under your pinions. Let us take shelter in your refuge. And let us always run to that strong tower, Father God, which is the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do, we shall be safe. Thank you, Father, for the times we've had together this week. I thank you for the miracles that have already been done. Thank you for chains that have been broken, for lives that have been changed, for souls that have been saved. I thank you for those things, God, because your word says, be anxious for nothing. But with all prayer and supplication, along with thanksgiving, make our requests known to you. It's what we're doing tonight, God. And we are thanking you for all things good, all things done, and all things finished. Because you've already finished them all. And now all we have to do is be still and know that you are God. We give you the praise and the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. And bless Him one more time. Hallelujah. Amen.
Amen. Go in the anointing. If you still haven't prayed that prayer and you need time, feel free to linger, church. Otherwise, be blessed and be an effectual prayer.